Do any of you out there have letters that you've received from someone that you saved? I actually have in a box in my garage, which is kind of sad now that I'm saying it out loud because probably I should do something with it. But a box in my garage, it's not on the floor, so it's not going to get water damage that way. I have a box of letters and the box of letters are all of the letters that I wrote from my mission and all of the letters that my parents wrote to me while I was on my mission. Now, what's interesting about that is my mom, I think, wrote me maybe a dozen times. I'd actually committed her before I left on my mission. She was learning how to use the computer. And so I had committed her to only sending me letters that she had typed on the computer which kind of limited her. She was taking some computer classes, but it was a struggle for her. So rather than send me letters, she would actually send me boxes. So in that aspect, it kind of worked out in my favor, right? I got at least one or two boxes every month. My dad, though, on the flip side, has this like crazy penmanship. Like it's very distinguished. It looks really fancy schmancy, if I'm honest. Most beautiful cursive handwriting of almost anybody I've ever seen. And for whatever reason, he decided that he needed to write me twice a week. So he made up for my mom in the aspect that he wrote me every Sunday while he was sitting in church. I feel like I didn't miss a single meeting in my home ward while I was on my mission because my dad would write me about the talks and things that were going on and then take the program and mail me the program the next day. Then later on in the week, he would write me a letter about whatever else was going on. Now, You may be saying to yourself, thank you for taking me down memory lane with you. That was fantastic. What's the point? Well, the point is that Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Philemon are actually personal letters to those people. Paul is writing to Timothy and he writes him twice. Then he writes Titus and he writes Philemon. And these letters were never really intended for us. They were actually intended for the receiver. But we are blessed to have an opportunity to get a glimpse of conversations that the Apostle Paul had with other apostles, if you will. Can you imagine intercepting a letter like from Elder Uchtdorf to Elder Holland? Now that'd be something. So here we have this letter that is from Paul to Timothy or Paul to Titus or Paul to Philemon. And we have the opportunity to try to extract from those letters whatever may be applicable to us individually and collectively. I want to take you back down memory lane a little bit further than I did previously to the 18-year-old version of me. And at 18 years old, I ended up at Utah State University in the fall. And I was living in a house with five other girls. We had one bathroom. The rooms were shared. And I'm here to tell you that within about the first 20 days, I was ready to quit. Having grown up with brothers, my sister, 18 years older than me, I really don't remember living in the same house as her, even though I did. She was married when I was three. So having grown up with brothers all the time, I didn't know how to handle all of the girl emotions that happen and the crying and different things that were taking place. And one bathroom was not my jam. And overall, I wasn't very happy. Well, my parents knew that they needed to do something to help me. And fortunately for me, they had a really good friend who was serving as a bishop in a singles ward there in the larger Logan area. So they contacted him and they found out where everybody lived that was part of his ward. And in the process of doing all of that, they found a new place for me to live. They came and moved me 
a second time within 35 days. And I ended up in this new ward. Well, the new ward was pretty interesting because it was off-campus housing. And by off-campus, like it was off-campus and not even close. Like it was about a 10-minute walk for me to get to campus. And then everybody in the ward was like way older than me. And by way older than me, I mean, all of the guys were return missionaries. Some of them were already in their careers. And most of the sisters in my ward were also either return missionaries or college graduates. Like it was established housing, if you will. And here I came in as an 18-year-old. Well, you can imagine my surprise when after attending the ward for one week, when I didn't talk to anybody at all, then go my second week, uh, the bishop calls me into his office and he gives me a calling. And the calling that he gives me is to be a Relief Society teacher. And I'll be really honest, I thought to myself, are you freaking kidding me? Because clearly I am the youngest person in this ward. I am like the freshman and you have return missionaries and you have all these other people that could be teaching Relief Society and you're asking me. But I accepted the calling and my first lesson was in the month of November. And so I prepared and I prepared and I prepared and my mom being so awesome, The Sunday that I was supposed to teach, she surprised me and was at the church with my favorite young women's leader from home. And the two of them sat in the back of the room for my first Relief Society lesson. Well, as I got up to teach everybody, I actually used part of Paul's letter to Timothy to introduce myself. Let me show you what I mean. First Timothy chapter four, we're going to start in verse number 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, specifically of those that believe. Now, I love that verse because it states that we trust God who we know can save us. Verse 11, these things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So here we have the Apostle Paul saying, hey, Timothy, don't let anybody give you a bad time because you're young. And that day I said to the Relief Society sisters, hey, I know that I am young and I know that all of you in here are older than me. And I know that there's a lot that you can add to this, but I hope that you know that I am trying to do my best. So please don't despise my youth. And I taught my first Relief Society lesson and I'm going to own it. It was like something had just hooked on to me. See, as Timothy continues to read, Paul writes, till I come and give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy and with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, I'm going to be totally honest. That day, something stuck. And if you were to ask me, Candace, what what calling do you want in the church? I'm going to tell you straight up. I love to teach Relief Society. Like, I absolutely love it. But I think I love it partially because 
of the great thing here that Paul is saying. He says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Meditate on these things. Love those actions. Take heed unto thyself and do them. See, one of the things that Paul really understood was something that our friend, the sons of Mosiah and Alma try to teach when they're on their mission. In Alma chapter 17, in verse number 11, we get this. And the Lord said unto them also, go forth among the Lamanites, thy brethren, and establish my word, yet ye shall be patient in long suffering and affliction, that you may show forth good examples unto them and me. And I will make an instrument of thee in my hands unto the salvation of many souls. Now, did you catch what he's saying there? Be patient in long suffering and afflictions that you may show forth a good example. What did Paul say in verse 12? Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, which poses a really important question for all of us. And that question is, what type of example are you? Do people know that you are a believer simply through your actions? Do they know that? Do they know by the language that you use? Do they know by the music that you select when you're driving? Do they know because of the way that you dress, by, because of the way that you represent yourself, because of the way that you are? Do they know that you are a believer of Jesus Christ? Now, you may be saying, okay, but why is that such a big deal? I mean, I'm 16. Why, why does it matter if I'm really showing through my actions, my dress, my word? I mean, everybody's got to sow their wild oats and stuff, <laughs> right? Okay, I get it. I totally get it. But the reality is that is not really smart. And the reason that that's not smart is because you and I, we live in the latter days and we also live in what Paul calls perilous times. See, if we were to go into 2 Timothy, part of this, the second letter that he writes here is he writes a letter about our day and about all of the crazy things that are going to be happening. Now, I don't know about you, but I have set up notifications on my Alexa because I want to understand what's going on in the world around me and I want to know when things are changing. Like, for example, I did not think that we would lose the Speaker of the House as we have this fall or Hamas attacking Israel and having a war open up on the Gaza Strip. Now, you may be saying, well, why is that such a big deal? And we'll talk more about the big deal that the Gaza Strip is when we get to our favorite book, that is the book of Revelation. But suffice it to say that the Gaza Strip is the area where the big battle of Armageddon is supposed to take place. So to have a war and have this type of conflict happening, which hasn't happened since the 1960s, is extremely significant. Because the reality is, is there are a lot of countries that want to go in there and beat up on Israel. And there are a lot of countries that are going to come to Israel's defense, like the United States has already done. Right. And so we have to ask the question, well, am I an example of the believer? Because the reality is, is you are living in perilous times. Or in other words, we've got to get off the center ground. The Savior said very clearly back in Matthew chapter six, no man can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Back in Joshua, we learned that you have to choose this day whom you will serve. Second Nephi chapter two, 
verse number 27, wherefore men are free to choose. Why are we free to choose? Well, because we have that agency and listen to what your day is like. If you have your scriptures, I'd pop those bad boys open to 2 Timothy 3 and I would just write in big bold pen, perilous times. It's a really cool rhyme. Perilous times shall be 2 Timothy 3. So here we've got them. What do the perilous times look like? Let's start with verse number one. We're gonna walk through these. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, there's there's nobody like that, right? I, if I just stop right there. You're like, oh yeah, for sure. But check out this whole verse, verse two. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. That's pretty bold, Paul. Verse three. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers, of those that are good. Hold up. Does that sound like, I don't know, high school near you? Lovers of yourselves, covetous, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, this one despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And then all of a sudden, Paul gives us some advice from such turn away. But have you noticed that sometimes we don't want to turn away from those things because we might miss something? It might be important. It might be cool. It might be fun. It might be, I'll never forget a young lady. We'll call her Erin because that's totally her name. And Erin was like a poster girl for the Strength of Youth pamphlet. Like she just was so good. And I will never forget her coming in one day and she said, Sister Harrington, can you tell me why people keep making fun of me? And I said, that is a really great question. Can you help me understand what you're talking about? What do you mean? And she's like, well, people tease me all the time about how I live the gospel and people like make fun of me for, like sometimes I read my scriptures at lunch and sometimes I do, so what Aaron was experiencing is she was experiencing, did you catch what he said there where he says despisers of those that are good? People were, were mocking her because she was good. And I said, Aaron, I need you to know something. And she said, what's that? And I said, the more they mock you, the more they wish they were like you. They're mocking you because they're not willing to do what you're doing. See, Aaron got it. She understood how to turn away. Verse six. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with the divers lust, ever learning, this is interesting, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds retrobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Now that's pretty brutal because what Paul is saying is these people who think that they're so cool and they've got all this knowledge, but they're not following God in the end, that's going to be made manifest for all of us to see. Verse 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me, yea, and 
all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. Hold up. He says, wait, we're going to suffer persecutions, but God deliver us. But hey, if you're living a godly life, you're going to get persecuted. Have you ever noticed that sometimes living the gospel of Jesus Christ is hard? Because people make fun of you or people bash on you because you have standards. He's saying, guess what? That's actually a good thing because it means that you're turning away from the perilous stuff. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That reminds me of a conference talk that's been blowing up all over on social media by those who are against the church. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I recently had the opportunity of attending a area-wide fireside where Elder Todd D. Christofferson was a presiding authority. And one of the things that he talked about was our need to know the scriptures. And that it is our religious duty to become educated in spiritual and temporal things. Here, Paul is assuming that you and I are taking the Holy Scriptures because why? Well, all Scripture given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Or in other words, it's one of my favorite primary hymns. One of my favorite primary songs, like I hope it makes it into the book has the great chorus that has two powerful words, and one of them is the word power. Are you guessing it? Scripture power. You know the one. Scripture power keeps me safe from sin. Scripture power is the power to win. Scripture power every day I need. The power that I get each time I read recently, that was a song in our state conference. It was the rest hymn in our state conference. And you got to love it because everybody stood up because it was a rest hymn and we were asked to stand up. And suddenly when we hit that chorus, do you know what happened? This went into the air. Scriptures went flying into the air. It was amazing to watch this congregation at state conference sing and proclaim the power of the scriptures. So here you are in perilous times. Are you going to then study the scriptures to help you? Are you going to access that power? Because see, here is the reality. If you and I want to get through these perilous times, like if you want to succeed and be on the right team in the end, you have to take some of the advice that Paul wrote to Philemon. There's only one chapter. It's like one page. Like you can totally read this book, I promise. So if you look at Philemon, we're going to look at the first seven verses, though, is all we're going to look at for right now. Listen to what he says. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, are dearly beloved, and I love he uses this word, fellow laborer. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. This totally sounds like a letter from Paul, doesn't it? Hearing of thy love and thy faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus Christ and towards all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. 
For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Now, did you catch what he called him? A fellow laborer. A fellow soldier. See, the reality is, is the war in heaven still continues on because it was a war between good and evil. A war for our agency. The only difference is that it's kind of like changed its playing field. You know how like there's like a home game and away game? Well, you're now part of the away game. And the away part is you came away from the presence of your loving Heavenly Father and you're here on earth and you get to make all these choices of where you're going to stand in those perilous times and what way you're going to face them. Paul is hoping that you and I will be fellow laborers and fellow soldiers that will really stand up and do something that we will, what did he say? Refreshed. The bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Are we refreshing to other people? Then you may be saying, okay, refreshing, what does that mean? You know how there's just those people that like they walk in the room and you're happier? Like we have those people in our lives, don't we? Like they walk in the room and you're like, I'm so glad they came because they're just so, they just, I just, I feel so happy. I feel better when I'm with them. The reverse is the same, right? There's people in your life that you're like, oh, I do not want to hang out with so-and-so because such a Debbie Downer, right? And it becomes difficult. So what are you? Are you a fellow laborer, soldier, and somebody who's refreshing? Are you the bleh? So here we are. We've looked at these letters from Paul and we're left with, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to change? Or in other words, what way should we use them? Well, one of the biggest things that I love about these letters is exactly that. They're letters. And I believe that letter writing has become a lost art. We just don't do it anymore. If I want to make my my 13-year-old's day, you know what I could do? Send her a postcard and she would be like, did I get mail? She asks every day if she gets mail, like as if, right? She gets emails, but like real mail? Heck no. But she asks all the time. Her aunt sends her cards for holidays and it like, boom, lights up her world. So the first thing I would like to invite you to go and do is to resurrect something with me. It's called a written letter. I know, I know you might be going a written letter. Yeah, like pick up a pen, use your best penmanship and write a letter. But this isn't just any letter. It needs to be a letter to someone that you love. See, if you listen to how Paul starts these letters, Grace, peace to God, making memory of you always in my prayers. He loves Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So will you take time to write a letter to someone that you love and and let them know that you love them, that they matter, that they're important? Will you go and be an example of the believers? Maybe one of the ways that you do this is you write a letter of gratitude to somebody whose example has blessed and helped you in your life and in your journey. We all need to rise up and do something better, different, because the perilous times are here. So in these perilous times, will you be a fellow laborer and a fellow soldier with me? Will you rise up and fight the good fight? So that's one of the things Paul says at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight. Will the same be said of you and I? Will it be said that you and I fought that good fight, fellow laborer? I know 
that an attitude of gratitude refreshes our brethren and that when we are grateful, we're being examples of believers of Christ. So will you go and write that letter to someone you love? Will you be an example of the believer? And will you rise up and be a fellow soldier and fellow laborer with me? Let's go out and refresh people in these perilous times. I know we can. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We'd love it if you'd take time to leave us a review and also click follow. We would definitely love to hear from you. And you can reach us by either emailing the Go and Do podcast at gmail.com or following us on Instagram at the Go and Do podcast. I'm going to own. It may take me a minute to get back to you on the email, but it's just because I can't get in. Anyway, would love to hear from you. The Go and Do podcast is created by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Cami Fisher. We hope that you enjoyed your time with us and that you have a good time. Don't be a good time. Let's go and do. We'll talk soon.